0: I've never really known. What? Why you stayed. Because I love you as much now as the first day we met.
1: And I love you. I don't want to die. I want to stay with you forever. Hello, welcome back to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we examine another part of the Highlander universe. This is one of your rewatchers, Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And welcome to part five. I can't believe it. We've already made it to part five of our... Comprehensive Analysis of the Highlander Motion Picture from 1986. Uh, So if you haven't heard our other uh, parts, make sure to go back on SoundCloud or
2: iTunes or whatever app you're listening to this podcast on. Plus, if you like the show, which is many people's window into the series, we've already done uh, an episode for each individual episode of the first season of the Highlander TV show. So, if you'd like to take that ride with us, you can go all the way back to the beginning. So, we are now in the thick of it.
0: In the thick of it.
1: Yep. Let's hop back Mm. in. After this, we cut back to the present.
0: We're at Nash's antique shop. Right. And Brenda is uh, doing some snooping.
1: Right. So, presumably, she got this address from, I guess, the file that was on Moran's desk when he was talking about eating dogs and stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's there to inquire about this sword. Right. Mac is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't mm-hmm. deal with weapons or anything. Uh, but then they
2: decide they're going to have dinner together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, would you like to have dinner? Would you like to cook for me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, It's like, huh? Yeah. I don't know why she says yes. I guess she's still interested in this sword thing, but...
1: I also am curious why he
0: wants to have dinner with
1: her. Like, does he really like her? Is this a scheme of, like, what does she
0: know? Like, I don't understand what he, like... In the script, like, she's really hot. (laughs) (laughs) This is, like, the script... Whatever it describes Brenda, it's like Brenda looks really sexy and like uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever she's wearing. But like in the script, like Connor's really attracted to her and wants to get to know her more.
2: It's so absurd. So like, so, she's that makes it so hollow. A, she's yeah.
0: literally a cop. Like yeah. She's and, and he actually, knows it.
2: She's actually dangerous to him. Yeah. And they've interacted not at all.
0: Like, well, maybe he he's no also reason. trying to like find out how much she knows or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I can't really figure out. I don't know. It's it's really hollow. The the reason these two characters are together at all. Yeah. I wish there was some, something more built in.
2: I mean, I get that he's lonely. I guess sure. that's what they ultimately present is the reason. Like he's lonely and he's looking for a connection
0: with somebody. Oh, why like, her? Well, why her? Yeah. Well, they can start talking about swords together. They, they, they have like a mutual interest. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, uh, you like swords? I like swords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have you ever cut a head off? I mean, I I haven't, but. <laughs> We're that al- involves a sword, am yeah. I right? <laughs> <laughs> We're also introduced to Nash's secretary, who yes. is uh, an actual, more than just a secretary, this is a, a character.
2: Right, her name is Rachel, we'll find out. Yeah, we don't know too much about her yet, but she's she's there. One, oh. this is my note about what's the deal with the steel, because I'm pretty sure at the earliest, steel was invented in like 400 BCE. So like even the earliest like <laughs> versions of steel were not invented when this guy did it, and even then it's not like you make like a masterful samurai sword out of this thing. Right. That's point one. Point two though, <laughs> then we get this weird cut. So I guess John Polito is blowing up Brenda's spot while eating old timey Doritos. Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> Which, good choice, John Polito. That's right. But he's like. Uh, your friend Brenda was hanging out with Nash..
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Brenda. Yeah,
0: you weird. look very pretty, Brenda.
1: And so again, nothing really comes of this either. Like this scene is there just to let you know that the police know that Brenda and Mac are doing something.
2: Right. they are meeting up so then they start following her to keep an eye on, on
0: him i guess that's him, it but I like the, i don't know none of this police stuff pays off pays in off this it, movie oh, no. it disappears yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so now we are at connor's place and it's nighttime and this whole entire scene is cut from the U.S. release. Oh, wow. And that's a problem, because this is really important. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so we see Mac interacting with Rachel.
0: He's, like, getting ready so, for date night, right?
1: Yeah, he's getting ready, and she's, I guess, getting worried, like, well, people are asking about you, like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, you should just tell him I'm immortal. And then you get this smash cut, which is pretty great. Like, the, the, the screen essentially explodes, and we are now in World War II.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, and he's wearing... He he's, looks absurd. He's writing these words suspender yeah. get-up. It's worth noting, he's not a soldier,
0: seemingly. No. He it's, looks like a civilian. This is what made me pause, because you mentioned earlier, so he's established in America before World War Two, right? Is that he's definitely, in this? Like, in he's the definitely, like... He's definitely property Revolution. here. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he... <laughs> In Germany, presumably, or wherever, during World War II. Yeah, because he's not a soldier. Yeah, he's not dressed in military garb. Is he a spy? Is he, like, inglorious bastards? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like... I, I, you have no reason to assume so. Yeah. But he's on, like, a battlefield. It looks like he's, like he was a civilian somewhere and like the fighting found him wherever he was and he's trying to like escape
2: or yeah. something.
0: I don't know. It's, it's confusing.
1: Hmm. Yeah. That's a good but point. I could, never thought about it like very hard at all. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: it could be just like Duncan in the show. He bounces around between seacouver and Paris. He probably sure. has multiple bases of operation, not yeah. just whatever property he owns in New York. So, I mean, I guess it might make sense. Right. But, you know there's a war going on. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you... If you didn't want to be involved, you should probably get out.
0: Right.
1: So uh, before we talk about this scene, this is kind of interesting. So this scene was in the script, then it was out of the script, then it was back in the script, then it was out of the script. Like, they kept not knowing if they should shoot the scene or not. Uh, so when they were done the movie, they didn't shoot the scene at all. And after they watched the cut, they were like, uh, I think we really need that scene. So they went back. Of course, they had no more budget. So apparently Russell McKay and Bill Panzer paid to have this... Scene shot with their own money wow huh. uh so russell took his like music video crew out and they kind of put this together really quickly but yeah it's interesting that like the producer and director felt strong like very strongly about this scene that it should be in there i agree like this helps i think with that character
2: i suppose this is the this is like the genuinely good thing we ever see mac do <laughs> right i yeah. mean this might be it yeah honestly i can't think of another truly thing? altruistic thing he does in the movie yeah well he like does
0: he... bring brenda a gift later <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he finds a girl uh like hiding in a barn yeah and uh, is she
0: like under rubble or something she's crying or am i missing? i don't think she's under hiding yeah i think yeah, she's just she's hiding. hiding in like a okay. stall and yeah. so
1: he finds her and he's gonna help her get out of there and then right. a nazi comes over
2: it's worth pausing for a second on Connor's overall appearance. He, he looks, looks like shit. He looks fucking terrifying. <laughs> uh, whatever makeup they have on him, I guess his face is supposed to be dirty. He looks like green. He looks like he could be in The Walking Dead. <laughs> oh, maybe he's a chimney sweep. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that explains how why he says chim chim chiri all the time. That's right. <laughs> it's like step in time, Rachel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. He, like, if I was a small child, and this disheveled man in suspenders opened <laughs> the door and said, like, you lo- hi, <laughs> uh, I'd be freaked out. Madison so- Square Garden.
1: <laughs> so this crazy Nazi shows up and... He also just
0: pulls up in a car. <laughs>
1: like... Yeah, and for some reason, checks out this, like, he, I don't know, he knows they're in there or whatever. Like, I don't know. Uh, but apparently, the first Nazi, like, got angry and was not happy about the shoot, and he stormed off the set. So this is the second. Why? I don't know. Uh, but this is the second unit director dressed up as a Nazi <laughs> uh, doing this scene. Also,
2: who's this fucking extra <laughs> who's, like, <Yeah. laughs> like this bit part player who's, like, you know what? I'm going to storm off the set. <laughs> yeah. I've got that kind of clout. <laughs> very strange but and this nazi goes straight for shooting like yeah, there's like a machine like, gun just, or something he just sees a man in suspenders and yeah. shoots him
1: well he's a nazi <laughs>
2: yeah i suppose actually that is enough for me yeah. but so connor gets right back up again yep. speaking
1: to this like you can't like it's like they almost can't be hurt at all like it knocks him yeah. down and he just gets right back up he tells uh, like the girl's Curious, like how this happened.
0: He says it's a kind of magic.
1: (laughs) Uh, So he gets back up and he like fights with the Nazi, and then I guess do I think we have the clip of this if we want to play this? Yeah, let's play this. This is a great
0: line. I'm alone. Come with me. Wow, he does look like shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. It's also like miraculously nighttime out.
0: Yeah. Oh! Ah. Just two time. move. Nein. <laughs> Whatever you say, Jack. You're the master race. <laughs> Let's go. Whatever you say, Jack. You're the master race. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool.
2: Uh, it's, it's, it's it's insane. It is insane. Yeah. Also, what's this like? What was this Nazi's plan? I don't know. What once Mac had the drop on him, and then Mac—that's like, pretty cold-blooded. He just yep. takes him out. I have no sympathy because that's obviously a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> but again,
1: we we get this picture of Connor as being like kind of rat. Like this is, I guess, funny. Like it's,
2: it comes across to me as really awkward. It's and funny, weird, but it's like it's. I think that is. But again, it's supposed to be like he's the he's a little smart mouth, right? Yeah, kind of Han Soloy yeah. character. We don't get to see enough of that yeah. but I do think that's who it is. Yeah.
0: But in this scene we don't have any confusion the Nazi did shoot first. Yes. Successfully. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shot him first. <laughs> uh
1: and of course uh this line it's a kind of magic inspired the Queen song. It didn't come the other way around. It's not like Queen wrote it's kind of magic and then they stuck that line. Right. Like in the in the movie. And just for a second, I just want to talk about the It's a Kind of Magic music video. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. It's insane. It's directed by Russell McKee. Uh it involves Freddie Mercury kind of dressed up like crazy theater like actor like the Phantom of the Opera. Like he's got a big cape and a hat on. Uh he goes into like an abandoned theater. It's full of like hobos. Uh, And then I guess he kind of brings the theater to life with music. So the band is playing. They shoot a lot of electricity out of their guitars. Then the whole band becomes like cartoon characters and dance around. It's insane. This music video is insane. Watch it. It's really great.
2: It's a kind of magic. Yep. Are there other kinds of magic? Well, yeah, this is just one
0: kind. Yeah. <laughs> so there are other kinds.
1: Uh, so then we're, we're back in the present, and yeah. I guess Rachel is saying goodbye to McCloud. And so I guess we're, we're left with a bunch of different questions here. Like, yeah. oh, well... You know, obviously, I guess he raised her in some capacity. Right. Uh, We're left wondering, like, I wonder
2: if they ever had a thing or not. No. I don't think they ever did. No, that's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's like some Woody Allen shit. Well, no, I
1: think this is my interpretation. Obviously, they give you no information to base this on. I, I get the feeling that maybe, like, she loved him at some point.
0: I and, got, I got that vibe and too, that, and also and Connor he, says
1: he doesn't want anything to do with
0: like yeah, a relationship like yeah. that. Well, I also get it he says our relationship has like taken lots of forms over the year. That right. might be in the script. I thought that was a weird. No,
2: I think it's in the movie too. Yeah, comment. Well, that makes well, I, I don't know. I would just interpret it as you literally found her as a child, and now by outward appearance, she's older than you, right? right. Considerable. Right. Oh yeah, if yeah. He's yeah. supposed to be. That's
0: true too. She's yeah. like
2: twice. If she's supposed to be like forty five, yeah, yeah. in the context of the movie, she looks twice as old as Russell Nash mm-hmm. if he's supposed to be right like twenty something. Yeah. So I don't know. I didn't interpret that, and insofar as that was ever an ingredient of their relationship, that is kind of disgusting and deplorable. But I, I don't think I they ever got did. it. I from, just I
1: just no, got the yeah. chief I got a vibe that had from, feelings to him.
0: To yeah, him. I got a yeah. vibe from her watching it. I did not get a vibe from him. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's more acceptable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, don't
1: think anything ever happened. But, I, I, yeah, I do get that vibe that she yeah. had the feelings for him.
0: The I guess feels. it's a little weird
2: that she's a 45-year-old woman who effectively lives with her dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm my dad's secretary at yeah. 45. Yeah. <laughs> So she's trying to give him permission
1: to, like, love again. Like, right. You you don't have to be alone all the time, blah, blah, blah. Um, also, I think it's interesting, um, Ramirez mentions having three loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this is mirrored. Connor has three loves. There was Kate, uh, who, of course, turned against him and was an insane person. Yeah. Uh, then there was Heather, and now there's Brenda. So right. they both have three loves.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, Brenda, who's getting ready for date time. Date night. And she has a, a tape recorder hidden and a gun this is i don't get any of this <laughs> well she thinks he's a murderer yeah oh, which yeah, by so. the way he is yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> lest we forget he literally did cut off this guy's head and we know nothing about the we still know nothing about the person he killed that's true i guess now we we have the the skin over it that it's part of the game
0: right right which they don't call it the game do they i was no. about to
2: say they don't call it the game in this no, no. which i like the idea that it's a game because then there's also a prize hey just give me the price all
1: right. uh, oh, something. Speaking of things they they don't call or whatever, I was I was just thinking back on our our previous episodes when we mentioned, oh, how did the Kurgan know Connor was immortal before he had turned immortal? Uh, and I was like, oh, we actually uh, accidentally brought our knowledge of the show into this. Like the movie never sets up that you have to die before you become immortal at all, does it? Nope. nope. No. no. So like, yeah. Uh, which also then makes me question like, why does Sean Connery look old and Connor look young? Like, you know what I mean? Like, at what point?
2: I just assume there's no rules about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: so I think it makes a lot of sense in the show for them to set up that rule. And that defines, like, where people are in their lives when that happens or whatever. But, yeah, I I realized that we accidentally brought outside knowledge to this.
2: And that's what you don't do. What you don't do (laughs) is import other fantasy rules into your fantasy movie. (laughs) This whole thing is bonkers. Mm. But I understand. I guess she's trying to record information about where the sword came from. Right. And I guess
0: maybe while she's at it, solve a murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she doesn't
2: seem to care at all about the murder. It's all about the sword
1: for
0: her. Well, I think the tape recorder is about the murder. Though. Okay. Yeah. See,
2: I I, I don't know. Mixed purpose, maybe? Yeah. But mm. I get the impression this is like a little bit self-interested. Like, she's curious about this, but she's apparently got a career as a metallurgist. Yeah. And this is this would be like a life-defining discovery for her. It was So this whole thing's a little
0: self-interested on her part. Mm-hmm. She has a cool apartment. She has some uh, samurai swords decorated. Swords everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And she has like a painting of like a Scottish person. It's like a <laughs> looks... historic... Like... <laughs> and when Connor comes in, he kind of looks at it and he's like, oh, look at this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Connor... Shows up trying to look charming, I
0: guess. Um, Without shaving. Yeah, Yeah. it
1: looks like he maybe made an attempt to iron his coat. Maybe. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, When he opened the door, I I immediately thought, I was like, this looks like two children stacked on each other's shoulders (laughs) (laughs) trying to to sneak into a building. He's the
2: Muppet Man. And he has a present. And some flowers. That's right. Yeah, no, he does not look like he's on his way to a date. No. It's like at best he took that jacket and like put it in a, a room while he was taking a hot shower.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Brenda goes to like freshen up or something before their date. I think this scene's really funny. Like Connor immediately finds the tape recorder and finds the gun, and <laughs> he
2: immediately just starts snooping.
0: So yeah. let me
1: play this clip because this is his his dialogue sounds like a serial killer. Here. <laughs> yeah, and he looks like one. <laughs> so he's looking f- through her drawers pulls out the gun i like your place brenda <laughs> I think, that's really funny looks- <laughs> i really like that that's <laughs> great <laughs> and he's just smiling ear to ear yeah so how does he know like he goes right to this stuff again is this some sixth
2: sense thing or i don't know what's going on it's i think a, he, it's a little weird but <laughs> it's a little weird i get the impression that he's suspicious from jump that mm, yeah she might have a a backup plan it is which, funny again that, why do you want to have dinner with this person then? yeah
0: it is funny that the first thing he finds
2: is <laughs> <of> the gun. <laughs> Also, why does he ask to keep his coat? That's weird. Oh, I think it's
1: because the sword is in there.
2: That was my impression. Uh, Is he bringing a sword to a date? Is is he he going to eat dinner (laughs) dinner the whole time? With a coat with a sword in it. Also, she might just notice. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, is that the murder weapon?
0: (laughs) What murder weapon? Oh, no, not this one. I used another one.
2: I don't
1: know. (laughs) After Connor finds the gun and the tape recorder... Uh, he also notices uh, Detective Baldy is outside, staking out the place. So oh, the right. cops are onto this this scene too. Um, so Brenda comes back out with her new earrings, which look insane. They look like they they were inspired by like the cover of a Trapper Keeper. Uh, it's like a giant pyramid and a an, an orb. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but then um, he busts out some brandy, and this is a pretty great scene. Uh, so yeah, let's play this clip of um, Connor uh,
2: drinking some brandy. Shall we have a toast? Yes. <laughs> she just drinks it. She doesn't wait for the toast. She just goes right Randy. in. Bottled in
0: 1783.
1: Wow, that's old.
0: 1783 was a very good year.
2: He's so creepy in this.
0: <laughs> I love the thing. Mozart yeah. wrote his great mess. The Montgolfier brothers went up in their first balloon. <laughs> England recognized the independence of the United States. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I'm a huge
1: fan of that scene.
2: He's like the whole time he's got his eyes closed, like he's literally reminiscing about it, and he's like kind of giggling to himself, practically, yeah, like thinking about 1783. Uh, so this story was um, actually inspired
1: by like a real life instance with Russell McKay.
0: Yeah, they uncorked a wine bottle, and yeah. the dude sniffed the air like from the bottle in the cork.
1: And he was like, this is from nineteen 19- like we've just smelled air from nineteen forty six. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's a nice notion. It's a very romantic
2: notion. I like the scene a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very up. cool. But at the time of making this toast, he has already busted her. Right? He makes this toast, he already know he's already baited her into lying to him. Right. He had said like what do you do? And she's like, I'm in acquisitions for the Met. For the Met, right. Right. Also Quick
1: question. Why does she work for the police department? Like, she seems so overqualified. Like, it's insane. Like, why doesn't she just work for the Met? Why
0: does the police department need a metallurgist? (laughs) Well, I
1: don't know. (laughs) So Connor brings her a present.
0: And it's her book a
1: metallurgical history of sword making yep yeah <laughs> that's a ridiculous name. uh
2: yeah i'm sure that one was flying off the shelves yeah. putting an <laughs> demand for universities all over the world
1: um so he figures her out uh so then she gets all pissed off at him yeah and then he storms out he's like i'm leaving and yeah I, and i was like again why did you come like what is the point of this like
2: yeah were you gonna shoot me with what was it, what was your plan, Brenda?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Were you gonna shoot me with a forty-five, or wait for your friends to arrest me, or some <laughs> ish? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, because he's like, are you guys trying to set me up? And right. it's like, well, why'd you go there if you thought that was a possibility? Like, I just don't get. Unless he just likes her so much for
2: no for reason. no reason, <laughs> like, right? So he really gets pretty hostile with her. Maybe I'm just not familiar enough with Japanese swords. But was it common to refer to the sword as the samurai? I just want to see the samurai.
0: She says it like six times. Yeah. Oh, that's in the script. Ooh. They only refer to that sword as the samurai. I don't know why.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I was not familiar with that as a
0: yeah. way of describing that that's, weapon. Yeah, the script, like anytime they talk about his sword, they reference it as the samurai. So Interesting. weird Weird. i don't know yeah
2: yeah so he really lays into her and he's like what you want don't you ever think about anything but what you want (laughs) whoa yeah yeah this is a stranger who you knew was like had a job that was adverse to you and you're now screaming at her like this whole thing
1: is odd Connor goes outside and there's a little voiceover. I guess he's hearing kind of Ramirez in his head saying, you must leave her brother. Yeah. And so then we get another flashback to uh, the Scottish Highlands in the aftermath of the Kurgan attack. And this is another montage uh, where they play the song, Who Wants to Live Forever. Um, I thought I'd play a clip of Brian May, uh, the guitar player of Queen, talking about this song. He wrote it. So let's hear from him. Yeah, yeah.
2: What actually moved me was this sort of subplot. The main plot is this kind of violent tale of immortals fighting each other to the death from 15th century Scotland up to 20th century New York. That's the main plot. There's a kind of subplot which is a tragic love story
0: And it comes about because the hero cannot die, but nevertheless he falls in love with people who can die. So he falls in love with this girl in the Highlands and she gradually grows old and dies in his arms and he has to
2: say goodbye to her and he has to go on. It's a a strange kind of tragedy. And that really came across to me very strongly and I related it to, to my own life, I suppose, and everybody's life, I thought, you know, love always does come to an end at some time, you know. So I had this song immediately in my head, which is called Who Wants to Live Forever. It is pretty cool. And this I think the song is played to great effect here. We kind of just get a montage of her a- aging. Right. It's a little bit funny just because the makeup, the makeup work on her
0: <laughs>
2: is, is rough. Well, this is crazy. So if you think the makeup looks shitty
1: on her now, apparently this was like the second time they tried to shoot the scene. The makeup was so bad before they shut down production. And we're like, no, we can't do that. So I can't even imagine how bad the makeup looked before. Wow. it doesn't turn out looking very yeah. good. Yeah. But I guess it was acceptable.
2: Yeah. And it had to be hard because she's so young looking. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's very pretty. So, like, they really had to put in some work to, like, age her. <laughs> right. Why don't um, they just...
0: I never understand when they do this in movies. Why don't they just get an old woman to play that part?
1: Yeah, I, I would have made that that leap. That yeah. would, I would have been fine with that.
0: Especially, yeah, yeah. the like, the very last... Shots of her when she's she's really old. Yeah, I I don't like. What's wrong with that? uh, Wow!
2: And it's even worse because the way it's primed, like he's looking for her, and he like kind of goes up on a hill, and he's like, (laughs) Heather, and she comes (laughs) out (laughs) like holding a lamb or something. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I'm already kind of laughing at the way Christopher Lambert is calling to her, and then you see her face, and you go, whoa.
0: But they have, like, a sweet moment in bed as she's, you know, leaving the mortal coil.
1: Right. And she makes him promise to light a candle every year on her birthday.
0: But his little speech to her as she's passing away about, like, where they are is, is pretty great. It's, like, good good writing.
1: Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's yeah, a good scene. I, I buy into all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah. this does feel really tragic. The music mm-hmm. helps a whole lot. Like, this is also a collaboration between Queen and Michael Kamen. Oh. Which is really... I mean, like, the, Michael came and did all the orchestrations for yeah. this Queen song. Uh, and he was actually pretty brilliant at doing rock stuff. Uh, yeah. he, do, he does a lot of, like, rock collaborations uh, in his career. So
2: Yeah. And he... I mean, Connor takes this hard... Because not after he buries her, he leaves his sword with like the McLeod logo, like the kind of Claymore kind of weapon he'd been using the whole time. And burns their house the <laughs> fuck down. <Yeah. laughs> like it's scorched earth, he is never coming back. Like yep. right? he seems pretty broken by this, and they don't necessarily for they, they don't necessarily communicate it through a through a Lambert himself, but his conduct afterwards. Made me buy into his pain a bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Hey, Rewatchers, this is Keith. Make sure to like and follow us on Facebook and iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. That's right. Each and every week we come up with brand new Highlander Rewatch content for your listening pleasure. So make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any major podcasting app. (laughs) <laughs> so after this scene we are back in the present and we're in central park on mm-hmm. the big bridge over the uh, the pond in central park and we meet a new immortal castagir mm-hmm. who is
2: played by Hugh Quarshie, who's in Star Wars what? Episode One, The Phantom Menace, yeah. he plays Captain Panaka. <laughs> yeah, he's, wow. he's like
1: he's like the uh, the the royal guard guy. Yeah.
2: Right? Oh, he, I didn't put, know that. Yeah. yeah, the guy. I kind of liked his performance in that movie too. It was like kind of a I don't know. The character was not very much, but like you buy into it. He yeah. seems like heroic. And then they didn't put him in the second or third ones because why set up a
1: character and then just drop him? I don't know. Thanks, <laughs> George Lucas. Yeah, <laughs>
0: fucker. <laughs> uh, when McCloud and Castigier meet on the bridge, nothing happens. There's no weather. There's no anything. Like, it's not dramatic at all. They just meet. So that further kind of, it's not like, it can't be the buzz because no lightning strikes when they meet. Nothing But they're not meeting for the for first
2: time either. That's true. I don't, I don't know what to make I, of that. But I, I yeah. think
1: it's like cohesive, like just like mm-hmm. the mechanics of the movie. It's like, oh, we forgot something or budget yeah. stuff or, you know those sort of things.
2: That's an interesting point though. Yeah, yeah. So, I just want to say I think this guy's performance is great. Oh, he's it's outstanding. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. And I think the thing that I don't want to say sells it, but that cements it is how little he does and how quickly he makes you buy into their relationship. Yeah. Like yeah. it's coming from him because even in this scene, Christopher Lambert is still like this kind of muted noir kind of character even dealing with his friend like this other guy is so warm and friendly to him yeah that he is really what makes you buy into the relationship and he's like
1: excited about the gathering being in new york i think that's really great like he pounds his fist on the the, the bridge he's
2: like ah it's right here like
1: it's all happening like yeah.
2: i don't know it's, this is a really good scene unfortunately i really think this might be the one of the biggest missed opportunities in this movie like i feel like this scene needed to happen sooner hmm. mm-hmm. like the exposition needs to be expedited like, we need to know what the... Get the setup to this movie a bit quicker. Right. And then establish this friendship so you care a bit more about this character.
0: Ooh. Well, there's something. <laughs> yes. There's a scene cut out of this that's in the script of Castigier and McCloud, like... Going nuts at a bar, just like getting drunk, 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 drunk. With With, what's his name? With Bedso, the detective (laughs) who's watching. His name's Bedso in the script. The detective. I guess maybe that's John Polito. Yeah, John Polito. Yeah, them like getting hammered in a bar with John (laughs) Polito. Like, why John Polito? Well, I think he's like tailing them, and they're like, "All right, this guy's following me. Let's go fuck with him." So he (laughs) just like go start drinking with them, and he's like, "Well, maybe I'll find out some information because they're drunk," (laughs) and then they just all three of them get drunk together, and it's like a really funny scene in yeah. the script and i'm wondering if they even shot it they
1: did so they shot it and there's a couple scenes in this movie that were shot cut and then were lost in a fire oh. so sadly we will never get them but there's some production stills um we'll try to put them on our facebook page awesome because uh, yes um detective ben said there's great like pictures of him with like his tie tied around his head like <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like a really crazy scene and it's like i think it's really apparent that the scene is cut too because the last line Castigier said was like He's like, oh, what? it's like, what do you think we should do? He's like, I think we should throw a giant party. Yeah. And then it just cuts to something else. And it's like, right. oh, okay. Like, I thought this was going to be a fun party. Uh, so, yeah, we don't really kind of care about casting Gear as much as we should when he, uh, spoiler alert, bites the big one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd liked,
2: uh if you've listened to our earlier interview with David Abramowitz, who was the creative director on the Highlander TV show, who's apparently written a Highlander musical, which will depict these events. He did note specifically that Castigier would be a much larger character in his kind of vision for this thing. Right. I think that's spot on. Yeah. Totally. Cause like other than this guy's like huge smile when he sees McLeod, yeah. like, we don't get nearly enough of, nope. of this guy. But he's got the boom, boom, the boom, he's boom. got the boom, boom, yeah. <laughs> Surely a big, strong man like you can handle a little and boom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so we get a flashback now after they talk on the bridge. To 1783, supposedly the last time him and Castagheer had a party. Um, and I think there was another scene cut here. I don't think they ever filmed it, though. Um, I think we're supposed to see Castagheer and McCloud at a bar during the American Revolution right. in Boston. And I think they even meet, like, George Washington or Jefferson or something. Like, there was su- there was supposed to be some weird historical They're tie-in. supposed
0: to be looking for George Washington's wooden teeth, which he allegedly, oh like, drops in the snow. <laughs> what? Which if anybody has seen The Hateful Eight, it's like a scene where Samuel Jackson character loses his letter from Abraham Lincoln in the snow. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. So
2: I'm gonna go on record saying
0: this is the worst scene in the movie. Yes. Really? This is I think this is insane. And not funny and weird. And,
2: and oh, coupled with... I love this scene. Oh, you're so, <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are incorrect. I, I like, know this, this scene, scene doesn't do anything. Bullshit. Uh, this no. is terrible. And especially... It adds know,
1: nothing to the plot. Adds nothing to the plot. Well, um, where's
2: Castagir? He's supposed <laughs> to be here. <laughs> yeah, they're talking... We're sold on this transition. Like, oh, remember the last time we did this? And yeah. he's nowhere to be seen. I know. Nope. And also, <laughs> I like, <know. laughs> coupled with the wasted potential of the entire Castagir character... Yeah. this like shines a spotlight on that
0: this get rid of this scene and put the drinking scene in
2: <laughs> all right maybe that's true i think this scene is really funny i
1: i love it. he just gets keeps keeps getting stabbed again we've been it's, waiting for it's our, also
2: not that funny i thought it was funny <laughs> i like, didn't think it was funny, I didn't <laughs> think it was funny. <laughs> the one sentence description of it is kind of funny yeah drunken connor in a duel mortal can't kill him yeah that's like a funny like one line, but it ha- goes on for so long. They keep stabbing him. Also, he completely blows his cover, and for some reason, that's okay. Yeah. And then there's like this weird it's end, wacky. There's this weird end scene on it, which just a where so he shoots the he shoots the.
0: Should we set the scene here? Yeah, we should set the scene. I'm
2: getting ahead of myself because I hate it so much. Wow
0: i yeah i just have Are you guys notes.
1: shit all over it and then i'll say why i
0: like it okay so we we're in a uh, we're at it we're at a duel connor is drunk off his ass and there's this you know really snooty other dude i guess he's a gentleman i don't know what he is um but they're they're dueling with swords and connor's got a f- messed up wig on he yeah it
2: looks like he's in ye olde underwear yeah based <laughs> on like because he's wearing like white pantaloons yeah um uh, so, so far, this
0: starts out kind of funny.
2: The, all the dialogue is... Like, the sound quality is weird. Like, all of Christopher Lambert's lines seem 80-yard to me. Yeah. I don't know if they are. They
1: probably but... are. This is the very... I want to say this is the very first thing they shot in the whole movie. Great. I think.
0: I don't remember. Oh, they're on Boston Common. That's yeah. where they are. Anyway. And there's this
2: kind of absurd harpsichord music yeah. going, playing throughout the entire scene. And... He just gets stabbed multiple times by this guy and like you see the sword come yeah. out the other to- other side like why are these guys not fr- this seems like mildly annoying to them and <laughs> yeah. they're like yeah. whoa <laughs> this man has been stabbed like six times yeah yeah
0: like and he's like oh you missed sir here try it again <laughs> <laughs> But then we find out that it's because Connor called his wife, what is it, a horse's A bloated war (laughs) dog. I'm sorry I called your wife a bloated war (laughs) dog. But so then uh, after he can't die, he apologizes and like walks walks off, and the the dude shoots his assistant.
2: Like his little assistant's like, shoot him, sir, shoot him. (laughs) And then instead, this guy decides he's going to shoot his assistant.
1: I don't know why he shoots him. It's just yeah. like he's pissed off. And yeah. that's that's also cut from the U.S. version. Oh, like it, it, it just When um, McCloud just walks away and it's over. Good, because uh, no. you know, that Good. scene's
2: really kind of absurd. And, I don't know, for all the kind of gay undertones we've been talking about in this movie, this has, like, a kind of... I don't think this scene would necessarily fly today. Because you've got this very, like, effeminate, like, maybe gay assistant... Who basically, you're supposed to hate him because he's effeminate, and then he gets shot by his boss. For being effeminate, and you're supposed to think it's funny.
1: I didn't. I didn't feel that at all. I didn't feel
2: like you're supposed to hate him because he's effeminate or something. You're supposed to think like I think. I think you're supposed to just think he's a doofus. But I don't know. That was my takeaway (laughs) when I saw this. I was like, this is a little (laughs) problematic. Like,
0: I just thought this scene was weird. I didn't know why it was in it. (laughs)
2: All right. So in my
1: notes, I actually I'm like, I like this flashback, but ultimately it doesn't further anything. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I completely agree. It's just in there. It doesn't do anything. gear's not part of it but like this reminds me of like those flashbacks we like a lot in the series like where it's like you see duncan in a brothel like just like cutting loose and i'm like oh like i just think it's kind of funny you see a different side of the character i love when he says i'm sorry i called your wife a bloated that's (laughs) like that's the most (laughs) ridiculous thing like what led up to all of this
2: uh (laughs) i didn't think it was that funny
1: (laughs) i think i think it's good again and we get this rascally rascally sort of
0: uh rascally webbit
1: um, which i don't know it builds up to that a little bit but yes it's it's a little it's a little silly
2: it's it's absurd and yeah. in the scene you just described which was from the episode eye of the beholder that scene is used to set up his relationship with another character Correct. and like demonstrate their closeness and you know, there's an ongoing theme of young Duncan versus old Duncan. True. It does a lot of work in the context and the scene in which it exists. Right.
0: This is just silliness for no <laughs> for no real reason. All right. All right. And I really don't get why they couldn't have just had Castagir there. Like, right. I mean, probably because they didn't shoot on a day where he was on set or something. But I'm like, yeah. why isn't he there? But yeah, like, the whole <laughs> point of this scene is
1: just to show like a crazy drunken Connor. Yeah then, like, I, I, yeah, I wish it was... He could have just been in a bar yeah. with Connor and Cassidy just being, like, shit-faced and, you right. know, just talking about whatever, making jokes, falling off their stools. Sure. And that would have been something. But, yeah, there's, he, he learns no lesson here. There's nothing that comes back later. It's just a silly scene. But I'm okay with it, so I don't hate it like you guys do. I'm surprised. <laughs> I really
2: think this is funny. I don't know. I, I think there's literally not a thing that's funny about <laughs> it. Well, I have no sense of
0: humor, so... Yeah. We yeah Ke- Keith is very stoic. Yeah, <laughs> very serious all the time. Keith.
2: <laughs> don't ever speak to me. <laughs> yeah. this is the line that's about to come up. So now we're back in the present, having learned no lessons. And <laughs> the Kurgan <laughs> is leaving his hotel room. And Herpes Ed Norton, yeah. <laughs> like the, the guy, is like, hey, Candy said you were sending to some kinky shit, man. <laughs>
0: and the Kurgan is just like, what? <laughs> he stops <laughs> in his tracks and says, don't ever.
2: Speak to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought the also the edit coming out of this flashback is really weird too. Like, again, showing how out of place that scene is because yeah. it cuts from the assistant getting like shot in the ass to a TV and it's like a newscaster being like, and that's the mood of New York City at the time. And it's like, hold on, like, wait, getting like getting butt hurt or yeah. like, like, it's like those things are supposed to be connected. And clearly right. that line was supposed to match up with. I feel like some line in the past that had Mm. to do with, like, something going on. Because then they'd be connected. But it's not. And it's really weird. And it's like,
0: eh. But they're they're talking about the beheadings after the Kurgan chews out Ed Norton. Ed Norton says, I hope you get your head chopped off, asshole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So at this point, I just want to mention another scene that gets cut from this movie. Uh, And it's it's an interesting kind of big one. There's another immortal that's supposed to be in this um and his name is young Daw kim hmm. and i guess he's an ancient chinese immortal um or korean maybe maybe korean i don't know, I don't know. Uh, but he's working as a security guard
0: yeah suspicious.
1: yeah uh yeah. the kurgan busts in and they have a duel and this guy fights with like two swords mm-hmm. uh, but i want to say at the end i think he ultimately gives up yeah he does and lets the kurgan kill him which yep. is an interesting element to this like which they haven't explored much that like some people don't want to live forever. Right. Uh, And this guy would just rather it be over than Mm -hmm. continue the fight. Um, So anyway, sadly, this was another one of the scenes that got cut and then got lost in a fire. So there are some stills of it, but we'll never get
0: it back. That would have been cool to see another Kurgan fight.
2: Yeah. Kurgan gets a fair amount of fights. He does a lot of fighting in this. That's true. (laughs) Like, I don't know that they needed this scene, but it probably would have been interesting.
0: Yeah, this is a weird, uh, another weird scene that I don't know why is in the movie this altercation with the concierge
1: yeah we could have just skipped this i yeah. suppose and gone right to the, the next scene is cast the gear fighting the kurgan
0: right meanwhile but,
2: hammer to fall is being played while this weird militia man is like rolling yeah. around with smgs right i get the impression this dude with the, all the guns is like a guardian angel sort of guy like
1: clean up the streets dude
0: yeah but he's also like a war veteran right gun nut type guy <laughs> but he's just driving around looking for trouble i guess
1: and he spots a sword fight going on in an alley and it's yeah. cast and the kurgan having it out and it's a i think it's a pretty decent fight
0: yeah uh, the cool. lighting's
1: awesome yeah. yeah
0: they're in some weird like cul-de-sac or something or like dead end alleyway they're in an
2: alleyway yeah. yeah and i read this was actually shot in london not yes. in new york and they felt bad because a lot of the windows on all these buildings were like Really old glass. Yeah. And things like that. So they were kind of like destroying them when they ined- eventually blew them up for the quickening. <laughs> right. But apparently the buildings were like scheduled to be demolished anyway. Right. So they, they went ahead with blowing up the glass. Yeah. yeah. And
1: Kyle, you mentioned that Hammer to Fall is playing, which is a great song. Another one of the like kind of more heavy queen songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole premise of that song is like waiting for death and it's going to get everybody. Uh, so it's a pretty kind of dark song. It's <laughs> got
0: like a real Cold War cold war overtones and speaking of cold war i think the guy's shirt has some like it's like a weird anti-communism yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so he sees kurgan chop off Castigier's head and then takes out a machine gun and just unloads <laughs> into the kurgan who like goes flying backwards but then the kurgan pops up and stabs him through the belly and like lifts him up over his head <laughs> this is is I'm
2: into this crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Because then he also flicks him off of it, right? And yeah. somehow doesn't cut him in half. It's worth noting right. this is well, maybe not the same sword, but we've previously seen the Kurgan use a sword to blow up a castle,
0: yeah. <laughs> and somehow yeah. this guy lives, right? And there's like a crowd forming around all this, right? Mostly like hookers also. and stuff. Yeah.
1: He he tosses the marine off him, and then he has like a big
2: quickening, yeah. A delayed reaction, quickening, yeah, right? Because uh. he he gets shot kills this guy, or stabs this guy, and then has the quickening. Right. So, so the quickening's like, all right, we're
0: going to wait a minute. Wait till he's ready. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh, so this quickening's kind of like the uh, the one in the, the parking garage. Like, Castiguer's yeah. body gets lifted off the floor. Mm-hmm. There's, like, green electricity or whatever coming out of his body. And then everything explodes, and the kurgan gets all the, the shakies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Castiguer was introduced maybe five minutes ago? Yeah. He's in the movie for all of five minutes. It's a bummer. Yeah, which cementing again the problem problematic nature of that scene because that was interstitial time that was tangentially related to this character that right.
0: never comes back. Mm. So then the Kurgan is trying to hightail it out of there, and some of the people that came to watch this fight are an old couple in a convertible. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's just so weird.
0: Yeah. And the Kurgan rips the top of right. the convertible <laughs> off and throws the man out of the car and jumps in and says, Hi, Mom. <laughs> then he starts driving off and the old woman is like shrieking in the car. Help me, Daddy. Help me, daddy. <laughs> yeah, I
2: couldn't figure that out at all. There's like this weird, it's like he calls her mom, then she cries for Daddy. It's <laughs> yeah, like <weird>. it's
0: bizarre.
2: <laughs> uh, so he drives off and there's more Queen music playing.
1: Um, and I noticed, again, like they, I mentioned before in some of the podcasts, uh, they use that chromatic riff again from Prince's of the yeah. End. And yeah. in this one, it's like really quick. It's like... Mm-hmm.
2: So, again, awesome. the musical thread is being tied together. Good job, Queen. So, the police then visit this survivalist guy, which... I hope you've come to know and love the police because this is the last time you are going <laughs> to <Yeah>. see them.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we see um, Polito and Moron <laughs> talking to the guy, and he's describing the sword and all this. Oh, and he confirms for them that Connor is not the man that stabbed him. It's this Kurgan fellow. Right. So. And, 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 and Frank really is really impressive. pushing him. He's like, Are you yeah.
1: sure it's dark in that
2: alley? Like, yeah. probably was him, right? And he's like, No, I know what I saw. Yeah. The way this scene is shot is so weird. After the stabbing, I guess yeah. he's going to describe the quickening. Right. right. He's like, there's something else that happens. And then the camera pulls outside of the room and there's yeah. just silence.
0: It's just him like describing it. Right. But I guess, I don't know. I don't
1: mind that. Because yeah. he's describing some, like, fantastical thing, and then we just get to see the reaction of, like, that, whatever that is, that's crazy. Like, we don't need to hear about, like, lightning storms and
2: yeah, whatever. I don't know. I don't mind the way this is, it's, this is done. It's so puzzling, and it doesn't match pretty much anything else in terms of the way it's shot. And also, didn't dozens of people witness the exact same thing? Uh, I think they call that out. They're like, no one talks to the cops.
0: Yeah, they have, like, a throwaway line about Yeah, because well, they're, they're like, we went down there, like, and uh, yeah. he's
1: like, there were a dozen people, but nobody saw anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah also uh the the marine has a giant bowl of green apples on his bed like on yeah. his lap yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> as you do yeah <laughs> it's the laziest hospital ever yeah here's lunch or whatever
0: right is this is the scene after this for at the hot dog stand i yes. thought this was funny oh. and the guy's like hey uh, what does uh, incompetent mean <laughs>
1: we can play let's play this clip yeah. of the uh, the hot dog vendor hey
0: moran have you read what it says in here you kidding tony you know, cops can't read.
1: What does incompetent
2: mean?
0: That mayor, He calls me at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I don't even answer the phone anymore. Hey, what does baffles mean? <laughs> I love that this man is giving the cops so much shit. I don't know. <laughs> so my note on this was, is this a bit? or just
2: kind of racist. I couldn't figure it out either. I I think it's a bit. I think it's I think I ultimately came down on it's a bit just cuz this guy is laughing so yeah, hard at like it. he's he's poking
0: fun at him. Yeah. He's
2: like But combined with the voice he's putting on, yeah. I was like there's a just like a 15% chance. Oh sure, sure. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is just a gag on a guy who like oh, a foreign guy can't read. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I think it's definitely he's uh he's he's ribbing him a little bit.
2: Mm. And you know. is the headline Headhunters three Cop Zero? Zero, yeah. yes. <laughs> Which <is> pretty good. <laughs> I just only picture some like crappy New York Post headline. Uh, yeah, this. <laughs> <laughs> Calling John Polito a bozo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chief bozo baffled by bungling beheader. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this week's Highlander Rewatch. I'm one of your rewatchers, Kyle. I'm Keith. This is Eamon. Bye-bye. See you next time. Bye. Hot dogs. Hot dog. Hat dig. We should do this more often.